To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this eighth Sunday after Pentecost is the first reading from the Old Testament from Amos chapter 7. You heard it read before, I recall just these words. Then the Lord said, I'm going to hold a plumb line in the middle of my people Israel. I will no longer overlook what they have done. Then Amaziah said to Amos, you seer, run away to Judah, eat there, and prophesy there. But don't ever prophesy again in Bethel, because this is the king's holy place and the king's palace. In the name of Jesus Christ, who gives us a wonderful time of grace and only one time of grace here on earth to come to believe in Jesus and be saved, my beloved. I want to begin this morning by doing a little interactive exercise. Uh, Would you please raise your hand if the name Baby Jessica rings a bell? Ooh, quite a few. Uh, To further uh, uh, tip it off, who of you remembers that story a while back about that 18-month-year-old baby who fell into that dry well? and was down there for 58 and a half hours. Raise your hand. Remember that story? Just about everybody, huh? Do you recognize, uh, I looked it up, baby Jessica is now Jessica Morales. She lives in Texas. She's 32 years old. That happened way back in 1987. Time flies. She now has two children, one uh, 12 years old. She was trapped... But she was rescued. Another one. Does the name Saman Kunan ring a bell with anybody? Raise your hand. Uh, how many of you recognize the recent story of those 12 school children soccer team with the soccer uh, coach who was rescued? Raise your hand. Remember that story? Well, uh, Saman Kunan was one of the Navy SEALs who died. He was the first one who tried to get in there. 38-year-old SEAL, former veteran. Those kids were trapped in there uh, from June 23rd for an 18-day ordeal. Uh, It was an improbable rescue. You know what those divers had to do once they got in there? Besides siphoning the water out with the pumps, they had to teach the kids how to swim and be a scuba diver. I remember way back when I was in college, I bought a bunch of scuba equipment and uh, learned how to go underwater and all that stuff. And uh, you had to spend weeks uh, in training to finally get certified, take a test. These kids had to learn it in minutes or maybe hours. And then they almost still didn't make it out because the pump that was siphoning the water failed towards the end. They were trapped, but they were rescued. And that rescue took great courage. 
talk about Amos this morning. Amos was one of God's Old Testament prophets. And believe you me, he was a man of courage. Amos was one of God's prophets who very uh, fearlessly took God's message to his neighbors and continued to convey the message in spite of the negative response that he received. Courage is that attitude that sort of kicks in when you are really overcome by fear, but you put aside your fear because the event at hand, the task at hand, is far more important. Amos was one of God's prophets who had to overcome his fear of rejection and ridicule. So this morning, let's take a look at Amos, one of God's prophets, a man of great courage. About 750 years before Jesus was born, God called Amos to be one of his prophets. Now, Amos didn't um, wake up one morning and said, I think I want to be a prophet for the Lord. In fact, Amos had already chosen his profession. He was a rancher, a herder, he had sheep, he had cattle, and he grew figs. God called Amos to leave his business back aside and to travel 20 miles to the north across the border into a northern kingdom, a powerful nation which at that time was expanding the borders of its country and the economy was booming. And he was supposed to go up there and tell them, you know, your country is all going to be destroyed. You're going to be carried away into exile. And it did happen 30 years later. Amos was called to convey a message. He didn't plan for his unusual profession. He didn't plan for the message that he was to convey. It wasn't devised or developed by him. It was planned by God. Now, the exact message that uh, Amos conveyed sounds kind of unusual. Because as you heard Bert read it before, God said uh, he used the vision of a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? Many of you used it. You know it uh, comes with a, a cord, a weight on the bottom. Maybe you attach it to the ceiling, let it hang down. There's blue chalk on there. You pluck it, leaves a line. Now you know exactly what's com- completely uh, vertical. Years ago, my wife and I used to hang wallpaper. And um, this is how we did it. Uh, She would go up on the ladder, and she would take the plumb line and pluck it and get the line just exactly even. And then she would come down off the ladder, and she would put the paste on the wallpaper and everything else. And then she would go up back the ladder, and I would hand her the paper, and she would put it on the wall and make it straight. What's wrong with this picture? God was telling Amos that the people of Israel, that northern kingdom, when compared to God's word and his commandments, were a bunch of crooks. They were all out of plumb, crooked and out of sync. To put it very simply, they just didn't love the Lord anymore. You know, you always use this phrase when people uh, turn from the Lord, they turn their backs on the Lord. Did you ever have anybody turn their back on you? 
you were talking to them and they turned their back, telling, telling you that you didn't, they didn't want to listen to you, or sometimes they even walked away, right? The people from Israel turned their backs on the Lord. And they showed it by their idol worship of golden calves. Just imagine that. They brought back the, the worship that they had uh, done out there in the wilderness how many years ago. Their materialism, their oppression of the poor, they actually towards, turned some of the poor people of their nation into slaves. And God's patience had run out, so he told Amos, you tell the people that their worship sites are all going to be destroyed, all of their idols would lie in ruins, and their king and his sons are all going to be killed. That's the first half of the section that's our reading for this morning. Now we go into the second half. The second half describes the response that Amos received from his message. First of all, it says that a man by the name of Amaziah, who was the priest of these golden calves, wrote a letter to the king after he listened to Amos. And in the letter it said, Amos is plotting against you among the people of Israel. The country isn't able to endure everything he is saying. Amos says that you, Jeroboam, will be killed with a sword and that Israel cannot avoid being taken from its land into exile. In other words, Amaziah in that letter wrote to the king and he said, you know, Amos that's uh, talking here, he's guilty of treason and insurrection. He's plotting against the king by roiling up the people. And then Amaziah actually yelled at Amos. He said, you seer, run away to Judah. Eat there and prophesy there. But don't ever prophesy again in Bethel because this is the king's holy place and the king's palace. In other words, he was saying, who paid you anyway, Amos, to come up here and to talk about these things? Get out of here. Go back to your own country. You're trespassing on our property. Then Amos responded with his only defense. He said, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not a disciple of the prophets. I am a rancher and a grower of figs. But the Lord took me away from herding the flock and said to me, prophesy to my people Israel. So he was saying to Amaziah, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm only the messenger. I'm not a professional, professional prophet. My father was not a prophet. I didn't come from the school of prophets. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to seminary. I'm a layman. I'm in the sheep and cattle business. I'm a farmer. I grow figs. But God told me to come up here to the north and give you this message. I left my business back at home. And then we have a section that isn't in our reading for today. The, the last two verses of this section uh, by uh, Amos says this. Now listen to the Lord's word. You said, stop prophesying against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. However, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city. That's what happened when a city was at siege. And your sons and daughters will be killed with swords. Your land will be surveyed and divided up, and you will die in an unclean land. Israel cannot avoid being taken from its land into exile. And when Amaziah heard those words, basically he verbally kicked Amos, uh, Amos out. But Amos didn't go. He st stayed there and courageously continued to convey the message. So by now you're probably asking yourself, so what does that all have to do with us? 
July 15, 2018. Well, actually, it has to do a whole lot. In fact, the parallel is almost a perfect matchup. You didn't choose to be a child of God. We read in the epistle this morning, St. Paul says, from the creation of the world, before the creation of the world, God chose you. Jesus once told his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And as a child of God, you are therefore automatically a prophet. Because what a prophet is, is a, a person who is commissioned to speak God's word for God to others, to people. God's commission stands for us today. Wherever you go, preach the gospel. Now, the message that we convey, we did not make up on our own. It's a message of truth given to us by God. The message of all of Holy Scripture that we are to convey is that God became a human being. And he came into our world to perform a great exchange. He was perfect and holy and he gave us all of his perfection and holiness and then he takes all of our sins on himself and dies and our sins die on the cross. And by that twofold exchange, we become holy with access to, directly to God. God so loved the world, and you know the rest of the story. Now for the courage part. Courage, as I mentioned before, is that attitude or response which in the midst of something very fearful, you put aside your fear and you move forward in spite of it all. And you know some examples of stuff like that. The firefighters on 9-11 didn't run away. They ran towards the smoke and the fire. Heard a story this past week about one of our former members down at St. Paul's Franklin whose husband came back from war and he got cancer. But he needed a liver transplant and they said you can't have a liver transplant until you get rid of your cancer. He went got rid of his cancer. They came back to another hospital. He said, you still have cancer. He said, no, I don't. Went back to the other hospital. Said, you don't have cancer. You can have a liver transplant. By then the liver was uh, not available anymore. He gave that little uh, speech around to places. A pastor uh, put up his hand. He said, I'll give you my liver. It was a perfect match. He gave him his liver. Both livers rejuvenated 100%. The man lived. What courage. Other examples about courage. Just like I mentioned, four guys putting on diving masks through that murky water to, to save those 12 kids in the coach. Examples of great courage. Any other examples of what takes great courage? Talking about Jesus to somebody else. Now that takes great courage. Amos conveyed a message and he didn't stop and it took courage. Why? because of his anticipation of a negative response. Nevertheless, we need to talk to somebody about Jesus. A stranger, friend, friend, relative. Who do you need to talk to about Jesus? Whom have you been putting off that necessary conversation because of the negative response we might receive? What's the worst response that you could receive? Well, I tried to make a list of a bunch of them. 
Uh, we take the flyers around for BBS and other activities around here, and every once in a while somebody will say, don't ever leave any more of those flowers on my, uh, flyers on my porch. Or you might call somebody up that uh, you saw online or whatever, and they said, they hang up on you. Or they say, you know, what you're talking about is totally irrelevant for the 21st century. Or they'll tell you that you're a person with very archaic ideas. Or that you're guilty of hate speech. Or they'll tell you that you're a person, you're holier than thou. Who do you think you are anyway? They might even call you a religious fanatic. Or they might say that the message that you convey is only for stupid people. Or they might say that I have more important things in my life than to listen to that. Or they might even say, I don't want you anymore as my friend. I remember the one negative response that I got. It wasn't too long ago. I think I told you the story when we were giving away the, the hot dog free giveaway over at Sentry. And I happened to be holding up one of the free signs. And a guy walked in and I said, uh, come in for a free hot dog. And the guy said, nothing in life is for free. And he walked in. Uh, oh, and before he walked in, I said, no. I said, God's love is for free. And he walked in. 20 minutes later, he came out done shopping. He, he uh, turned to me and said, well, maybe God's love is for free. So, you know, you might receive negative responses. Does that scare you? Actually, it's nothing out of the ordinary because Jesus predicted exactly that that would happen. He said, if the world hates you, realize that it hated me before it hated you. I chose you from the world, and that's why the world hates you. The person who hates me also hates my father. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. In this way, what is written in their scriptures has come true. They hate me for no reason. Rejection of the message is promised, you know. But reception of the message is also promised. Remember Jesus' uh, parable of the, the, the different kinds of soil? You know, the hard soil, stony, thorny. But there was good soil, too. Many also received the message with great joy. The Ethiopian eunuch. Bartimaeus, the Roman centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, Cornelius, Zacchaeus. But without someone telling them, they would never have heard. And so the time for a lot of hard preparation has arrived once again this year, where we're going to put forth the greatest effort in a one week that we do around here with Vacation Bible Camp. And shortly after that, we'll have the block party. And along the way, you will have the opportunity to be able to talk to a whole lot of people about Jesus. But I'll give you this assignment. Don't try to talk to all the people about Jesus. Maybe just talk to one person. Because there's great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And maybe, you know, we don't always get the parents, but a lot of times we get the kids. Some won't care about the message, but others will. And so let's not let any negative anticipation of negative comments deter us.
Because just like Amos, God has not asked us to convince anybody or to convert anybody, but simply to convey the message. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're here. Pray for courage. Pray to be like the disciples of old. We cannot stop talking about what we have heard and seen. And maybe someday, when you get to heaven, you might just find out that you're a hero. A hero of courage for someone in heaven who might step up to you and say, you know, if it hadn't been for you telling me about Jesus, I wouldn't be here. Thank you so much for your courage. Because I was trapped. And you rescued me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.